0: Okay, so, the other thing I wanted to talk about was something that a lot of people, at least the people I know, do not really think about or don't really realize it until they think about, but as a big, lifelong sports fan in general, but we're going to keep this with wrestling, that has... Influenced lives more in more ways than one. Like that's my main topic here is how has professional wrestling influenced your life? Not you know not just as for those listening that might actually be ring performers, but you know just as fans or whatever. Like an example I can state recently is when I started, um, you know, training and grappling at, you know, my dojo or whatnot. And now I start to recognize, I was recognizing holds and techniques and stuff that I see in pro wrestling that I actually have seen used in MMA that I myself have used in in my grappling. Didn't think about it, you know, when I'm sitting there watching it. But now that I'm in a different spot, that that influence comes to me where it's like. Especially recently with like um, watching Davey Boy Smith Jr. and knowing his background as a catch wrestler.
1: Yeah,
0: I spot so much stuff in his wrestling that I spot that I do in my grappling. And we met Shamrock and Severn today, watching some of their old stuff. Is and not just their MMA stuff, their pro wrestling stuff. It's stuff that I've seen, you know, if influence that I've used myself. Um, I remember when The Undertaker came back in around 2003-ish, American Badass type, where he openly started using MMA influences. Stuff that eventually I've caught like, hey, I do. Which also helps me, as I stated earlier, have a newfound appreciation for people like Ryan Taylor and guy.
1: It's Taylor Taylor Russ,
0: Whatever his name is this week, whatever his name is on his contract, uh, and uh, no contract, dude. And um, Timothy Thatcher.
1: Wait, hold on. Does that guy look like Ken Shamrock right there in the car?
0: No, the car is clean.
1: Well, looks like Al Bundy. <laughs> it does, doesn't it?
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And. Uh, somebody else but I forgot Russ Taylor, Timothy Thatcher well I forgot the other guy Okay. and you know that's one thing another thing that I didn't realize but not until I got older music pro wrestling has me find found me a new appreciation for music because growing up, I was just, you know, hey, that was, I was into the the oldies, classic. My dad, you know, loved the seven, you know, the seventies funk sound and whatnot. Going into the eighties, um, R and B era. My half sister was into, um, you know, nineties rap or whatever. So that's just what I grew up around was the, you know, was the rap, hip hop, um, funk sound. But then. I hear Demolition's theme and I think that is the to this day one of the best original wrestling themes of all time wow. hearing that and it's it was a metal sound but that got me hyped when they came out with their look here and again here, here comes, comes the smash and keep in mind I grew up on WWF so I did not know that Road Warriors existed yet so just seeing that look those guys, and that music, ooh, you know, like, that hits you, and then, you know, I didn't think about it till later, but, like, um, the Ultimate Warriors theme, that, you know, with the guitar riffs and stuff like that, and, um, later on, growing up, when I started... Watching um the old NWA tapes and seeing old NWA footage back when we didn't have to worry about a copyright law. <laughs> and hearing without a doubt was I think I don't want to say one of the greatest entrances, but once you see it, it's one of the greatest visuals. It's just the Road Warriors walking down those that Starcade stage where the steps lit up and you had Iron Man on in the back. That was a visual. And moving on later into um, the WWF where, especially around the, the, I'll say around the 2000s is when they started really, well before I get there, ECW same thing where they were so we found this out later for those that didn't know the business practices but they were they were illegally using the music but they were so under the radar that you know nobody noticed until they started getting licenses and stuff like that and they had to kind of change music around and whatnot. but that's you know what introduced me to you know and metal and a completely different sound outside of just like wrestling themes just a completely different sound and a completely different culture so you know with these guys like Sandman and Tommy Dreamer and everything and Sandman with that entrance you know the famous Sandman entrance to that song um Tommy Dreamer Man in a Box um, Raven coming out to The Offspring. Come out and play. You know, just all all that. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow coming out to Guns N' Roses. Uh, Candido to ACDC. Taz coming out to War Machine from Kiss. Yeah, and eventually with um, especially like in the 90s with the, now the the wrestling albums not not the wrestling album with Jive So Bro shout out to Slick <laughs> but the albums that came out later that had you know um, like the WCW album that came out which wasn't the greatest album but they started having guys like um, Sting coming out to um, Seek and Destroy they had you know and you hear that guitar riff in the beginning um, the Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> who I only knew from, from their short stints all over the place in wrestling. And then Vampiro's coming out to like the baddest theme, one of the badass themes that they got.
1: Almost made me a juggalo with that. Yeah,
0: almost. I mean, I
1: didn't ever put the hatchet face paint on and run around like an idiot, but... Uh, I was bumping that song. If it was up to me, I would never tell you. I would do it. I I love
0: that song. And, of course, we have to mention it. Hollywood Hogan, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. Voodoo Child. Oh, my goodness. And I marked out, not to get off track, but at the end of that episode of WandaVision, I was marking out. I was was going old school air guitar when I heard that song. Um, But, yeah, definitely. And... Especially around the 2000 2001s when WWE started licensing, now you know that's when they had Kid Rock, um, American Badass, and then eventually they slipped, a, they um, moved to limp bizkit, rolling. Um, especially like that new metal sound. Um, oh, they like, WWE
1: loved the new metal sound. Yeah, I mean, campus. I mean,
0: come on, WrestleMania 17, my, uh, my, my way. way, my way, yeah, Fred dirt, and that the way they used that song in that. Video package to Austin and Rock is iconic. I'll say that. That's one of the most memorable video packages to a match. Yep. And it's just set perfectly to that song. And also, let's not forget, um, back in around 2002, 2003, that watch, they would do these, um, I think they were the Desire videos. My nice Sacrifice. Yeah, like, you know, they did My Sacrifice. I remember they did this one um, song for the they did this one video for The Undertaker that just, like, highlighted his whole career. Um, that, the infamous one with um, Beautiful Day, YouTube for Triple H's return. I mean, they, it just, and then that's when they started every month, they started um, having a new, uh, new song as the theme for the pay-per-view instead of before, it was just, they came up with their own stuff. Yeah. You know, um, who can forget SummerSlam that the bodies hit the floor? With um, And funny enough, because uh, this is a story in itself, uh, when Lemmy died from Motorhead, uh, one of my co workers, he's a big metalhead, but it just never worked out for him to see Motorhead live. Every time there was an opportunity, he was either busy, he was out of town, uh, didn't have the money, or especially as he got older, he just didn't like dealing with big crowds. So he just never got the opportunity. And he hated my guts because I was at WrestleMania 21 when Motorhead performed Triple H to the ring. But
1: the Ace of Spades, right?
0: No, this was um, the game. You know, oh, Triple H is that's how I discovered Motorhead, was, um, Triple H's theme of the game, and then moved into, um, Evolution, and the other Triple H theme he had, Bow Down to the King, um, and later on, you know, when he got a control of, um, when he got a control of NXT, you know, that's when he used Ace of Spades for one of the shows, but he was pissed off because my, my co-worker... Does not like wrestling. He's one of those guys that I get it for what it is as an inter- as entertainment. He can't get past the fact that it's a fake sport. In his words, yeah. so he hated the fact that because of wrestling, I did something he never did, and I actually saw Boulder hit perform. It was not a concert, but I saw them. I saw them perform live, and it, I needle him with that every time I can. But just as a whole. Pro wrestling has opened my eyes to different cultures through music. And you never think about it until you actually just sit down and think about it. Like, wow, all this, all this I've, I'm listening to, all this, you know, and everything came from professional wrestling. That is a big influence. Along with. Another thing you can mention and this will be the last one Now I'll take a break, but just hearing the stories of people, of the guys in this business, again, no different than any other sport, but when you hear the background of why they do this or how they get through this, so inspirational at times and at times where, especially when you know people don't know what they're going through and they look and they see somebody else who they watch on TV and they open up and whatnot like for example Goldberg will never go down as the greatest in-ring technician or the greatest in-ring wrestler of all time he will never go down as that but for somebody in my shoes I think he has one of the great, greatest comeback stories. Yeah, sure. And especially with the fact that when Goldberg had his original career, he didn't have a son. Goldberg didn't have kids. That was his afterlife. And Goldberg came back for his to see for his son to see him perform. you know, Goldberg at his age, you know, um, I think he's 54 now, but it was like, he was either 49 or going to his fifties when he initially made the comeback with, um, with Brock, that series and just what he did to come back and do that for his kid. So his kid can see him.
1: And this, you're talking about the, uh, the comeback from just a few years ago, not the not the Wrestlemania from about a decade or so
0: no like I said um, when his wrestling career was basically done after that last WWE run he went off and he had his family and whatnot. his kids never his son never saw he saw Goldberg the dad if he saw Goldberg the wrestler it was never it was in life right and he did what he did Goldberg did for his son to see that and to teach his son a lesson about you know working hard accomplishing the goal and whatnot he went out and he he showed him that was inspirational to me because you know for me to get back you know and I'm not talking myself up like I'm some big great champion or nothing like that no. I was just, hey, I went in with a goal and I wanted to not just talk to my kid, my son, and tell him, you know, you got to work hard for a goal. Yeah. You know, you got to put in the work. You got to go through the ups and the downs to achieve your goal. And I showed him and he saw it with me in my mid to late 30s trying to go back on this mat when I haven't been on it in 20 plus years, not since freshman year of high school and work hard put in the work, he's seen me struggle he's seen me sweat, he's seen me lose my confidence or whatever at times and question myself and for me to go out and I just wanted to prove that hey you know, you can do this. Look at dad. You haven't you have the youth advantage on dad. These other guys have this youth advantage or the strength advantage or the experience advantage on me. I just happen to win twice. Yeah. Two tournaments. That good luck for you know good yeah. luck for me. I had the horseshoe in my back pocket. But you know, hearing that story kind of, you know, I don't want to say it inspired me because I didn't hear Goldberg's story and go like, I can do that. But it's something that really made you think and really, I can't find the right word, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Or it's something where you can look at and it's like, oh, okay.
1: It's relatable.
0: Yeah, relatable. That's the thing. So, those are things off the top of my head now how do you feel professional wrestling has influenced you in your life
1: I mean look uh, I don't have the same experiences as you right because uh, I uh, first off you know as much as I have preached the the same gospel that you're, you're sharing with your son to my daughters about working hard and never giving up on something like I don't have that uh, that uh, background where I actually went out and did something you know in terms of athletics now uh, like you I was an athlete in high school and you know I I was the most athletic non-athlete there ever was I was a three-sport athlete Um, football wrestling and track and I was horrible at all three of them but I never quit and that's the same kind of mentality that I've always tried to um, impede on my children. Is that the right word? Impede. That sounds like a bad word. That's what I tried to to sh- share with my children. Um, I want them to realize that you know you have to work hard. So in that respects, we share that. But uh, outside of that, the same experiences, like the music, right? You mentioned the music. Your ears were open to new sounds. These are the sounds that I grew up with. This this was the music that I listened to. So when ECW had you know, Raven listening or uh, coming out to the offspring come out and play. Like that was a song that I was already listening to. Uh, man in the box is still one of my favorite songs, you know, in WCW, like there were knockoffs, like, uh, diamond Dallas Page yeah. was coming out to smells like teen spirit. And Chris Jericho was coming out to a life from Pearl jam. Like these were my jams. Like all these songs were, I was already listening to. So I didn't have that same experience either. Um, What I guess the the two ways that wrestling has, being a fan of professional wrestling, has changed my life is that I've established this community, and I have people, I have friends all over the world i'm not just saying in the united states i'm not just saying in california i have friends all over the world some of these people i consider brothers and i've never even met them face to face and and some of these guys who i've been friends with for the last you know some of them are just as recently as the last year or two some of them i've known for like over a decade and i wouldn't trade that for almost anything i I mean i've Salt-of-the-earth people and I don't mean that in a sarcastic MJF way. I mean these are good Human beings and we come from different backgrounds and have different philosophies on life And although the conversation starts about wrestling it never really ends and and you know uh, DKM and and Jaden and Kevin Frazier and and Lamb and I can go on and on and Tim and Uh, so many folks that I've met through wrestling, Larry, and a Big Chi, and Gary Horn, and Rob Stinson, and and Will, and all these people who, you know, some of them I still haven't even met. And there's this camaraderie, and this brotherhood, and this community, and I think it's pretty awesome. And, you know, earlier you had mentioned something about, you know, I people have these replica title belts, you know, I didn't buy my belt, I earned it, and in some ways, I really relate to that, not that I went out and wrestled for that, for any of the belts that I have, but I I didn't buy one of those, I didn't buy a single title belt, I've never spent money on a title belt, those were gifts from wrestling fans, from friends, from this community that's been created, and I cherish those gifts because it's like, wow. Not only not only did you think enough of me to send me a belt, but I mean, none of those are cheap. Not one of them. So, like, that that's one way my life has been positively influenced by pro wrestling. Um, this community that we have, this YouTube channel, the places that I've been able to travel in the name of pro wrestling. Like, you know, we've talked about it on this show. I've talked about it on other podcasts. I mean, I went to freaking China with Dave Marquez and Dave Lagana and Nick Aldis, Colt Cabana, and I got to hang out with those dudes for like five days. I sat next to Heather Monroe all the way to China, man, and, you know, you get to meet, obviously, you get to learn more about people, and you get to learn uh, more about the people beyond just the pro wrestling, and, you know... Watts, I got to hang out with Watts, and I got to hang out with Reno Scum, and both of those, all three of those gentlemen now I consider friends, and I don't even know if Reno Scum would recognize me off the side of the road, but I know Watts would, and uh, that, again, it's the community, it's the it's the back and forth, and that was an experience that I don't think I would ever change.
0: Um, yeah, um, to add to that, because you said China. Yeah. I mean, while my culture was music, yours was, you know, through your travel. I mean, pro wrestling has taken you places that I, like you said yourself, you probably wouldn't have been elsewhere. Oh, for sure. With, you know, I mean, you're going to another country in China, you're, I doubt you would be uh, making your trips to Mexico for crash if you, you know, without pro wrestling. I mean, I don't know what, you know, to speak on where, like, outside of like family vacations or something like that, where, you know, where you're in different states or whatever, you know, cause not every not everywhere is like California. No. You know, you were in different states, like um, like Atlanta. You know, which is a completely different culture than you know where we live. Yeah. So that's one thing. You know that again, you probably. Cause you were talking about people, but that's one thing right there. So your culture is like you are exploring the world. Yeah, professional wrestling is wrestling, helping you explore the world. And
1: that's and that's a that's a solid point. Like uh, again, Wenchou, China; Atlanta, Georgia; Nashville, Tennessee; Charlotte, North Carolina; Woo! Tijuana, Mexico; Yuma, Arizona; Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, these are a few of the cities I've been to to watch wrestling. Um, And I think it's like, it's fun for me. Like it's, it it is really cool. And, and I have, uh, no jokes, you know, we were uh, planning to go to Scotland, uh, in 2019, or no excuse me, 2020, when the pandemic first kicked off, we had made all the arrangements, we paid all the flights, we're gonna go to Scotland. And I literally, literally told my wife, hey, there's a wrestling promotion out there called Scottish Wrestling Alliance. And hey, guess what? They're running on the Friday night that we fly in. You know, can, or we flew on a Thursday. It would have been a Thursday. Yeah. Can we go to the show on Friday? She says, well, you can go. I said, fine. And I, that would have been one more place I would have seen pro wrestling. Uh, fortunately Unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition. But when it does, I mean, I'm still planning to try to... To visit out and see some
0: pro wrestling. If you do not come back with a kilt, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on you about that. Brother, I already
1: got a kilt. I wear it on the weekends, it's in holidays. <laughs> it's the Kaylee Tartan. Okay, I don't wear it on the weekends because obviously I'm wearing jeans right now. But you <laughs> come Christmas time, get some eggnog going on, and we'll see what happens. Anyways, uh, pro wrestling. So in that, in that sense. Um, it's enriched my life in that it's given me the opportunity to travel the way I have. It's given me the opportunity to... It, and I say travel, right? Um, let me rephrase that because it's not like wrestling is affording me this opportunity. I'm not getting paid to go tra- travel. I'm paying to do the traveling, but it's an added bonus. It's the cherry on top of a sundae. Um, being able to say, like, yeah, man, I... I when I went to China with Dave Marquez and company, um, you know, there were, there was no way I would ever go to China without that reason. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty, uh, you know, copacetic. Um, and then the other part too, is it's allowed me to express myself in different formats. Uh, again, we've got a YouTube channel now that's ever so close to a thousand subscribers. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to youtube.com forward slash The lines blog and hit that subscribe button. But then also, uh, you know, I I've, I've fancy myself a ringside photographer taking photos of wrestling shows. I'm, I'm filmography. I'm, I'm filming wrestling. I have an IMDP page because of pro wrestling. I got to be in two wrestling documentaries, uh, based on the national wrestling alliance and, and, uh, the seven levels of hate between Adam Pearce and Cabana because of wrestling. So
0: in some ways it has enriched my life. Uh, definitely with, um, I would say the hands-on education sure. that you're getting. I mean, you're getting some experiences that, mo- that I would say some people will have to pay to go to college for, yeah. to learn where you're kind of learning it on the spot. Um, being a content creator, um, as far as like what we're doing now with like a podcast or, um, you with the, the visual um, the visual cast. I don't yeah. know what the technical term is. It's called vlogging. Uh, well, that, and you know, hey, <laughs> and also, you know, you've passed that on, that knowledge on. Yeah. You know, so. You know, people are learning from you what you've been learning through pro wrestling. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not really until you actually sit down and think about it. Like, wow, my love for. This has done so much for me that you don't it's almost until we have this conversation that you don't even really think about it because it's almost second hand that you don't think about. You know, it's something you just don't think about. I mean, it's just, amazing how that is. It's true. And one thing you did mention um about your community and whatnot, I've I use this pretty much with mostly all sports, but the pro wrestling fandom, we are passionate. And one thing that is very, very funny when you think about it is that... Especially with the way the world is today, where the world is so divided, where you're not, you know, we don't have to go heavily, and this is not a political show. Never will be. But just the way the world is divided because of different opinions, different backgrounds, different cultures. Different ideologies. Yeah, just different, just the way it is. But... All you have to do. And pro wrestling is a good example. That is something that we all have common ground on is our love for the our love for this. And you know that you wish was a template for the world where hey find some common ground. Yeah. Pro wrestling, we have common ground. Different Different political beliefs, different races, different physic- you know physicalities, what not, and we can all sit in- sit on a show and enjoy ourselves. The rest of the world is canceled out, yeah because we found our common ground where we love what we are watching and we love what we're participating in i mean, we- and we can cancel everything out and we can all enjoy ourselves you look at you know all all my friends you know you're grouped in that as well different backgrounds different age groups different races dip you know different cultures and all that I mean we you know we're, we we will be like a stereotypical village people where none of those guys have anything in common Except the music. When you just look at them. At their at their gimmicks and their presence. None of them have anything in common outside of the music. You know? And because that's pretty much us.
1: Because one of them is know? an Indian. Another is a police officer. <laughs> another one's a fireman. And uh, I think there's like a cowboy. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I mean, maybe the better example would have been the Dudleys.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <3D>. <laughs>
1: yeah, but... Um, I've always told people... My my group of friends is kind of like a bag of Skittles... Because we have every different fruit flavor combination... Um, And we don't... uh, Like racial uh, ideology... Ideology... You know... uh, Background culture... All that stuff... It doesn't really... It never really rang a bell with any of us... We're just more like... Are you a good person? Do we have similar interests? Let's go... And like even today... Like we stood in line for an hour... And I despised everyone in that line until about five minutes before we went in. Yeah. And the we, guy behind us, who had been annoying the entire time, started talking about Marvel movies. And I'm like, all right, now I yeah, got a
0: Yeah, boom, we, we found it. <laughs>
1: and it didn't take long, you know, and and, and we, we talked for about a good 20 minutes before we walked in. But uh, it just, I mean, that's how wrestling, that's kind of how wrestling fans are. And, you know, I... I, I I jokingly say I despised everybody online. I didn't. Just Oscar. Everyone else was fine. Um, Oh, sorry. Uh, No, Oscar's a good guy. Uh, Something like that. Um, But, like, no, peace to the Russell heads. Don't come after me. Don't cancel me. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're all good. But um, it's just one of those weird dichotomies because, you know, as someone who sits in this crowd of of people who I I don't know anyone there but Daryl, and, and Daryl and I have known each other for about a decade now. Yeah, um, as we sit there, and, and uh, you know, like I, I, I'm an introvert. I don't really need to know everyone there. I don't really need to talk to everyone there. And you get some people who want to talk to you, and you're like, nah, <laughs> nah. Like the girl in front of us, yeah, nah. But then, like, uh, it just, it's, it's a weird dichotomy in this whole, like, you know the minute someone recognized i was carrying a 10 pounds of gold and was looking at the names on the belt like shit i'm chatty Kathy. and all of a sudden i was telling everyone about everything and that's just how kind of this what wrestling does for people in general it gives us community and i think that's really special like daryl and i um we met through wrestling i would say our friendship extends beyond wrestling but that's certainly where it was based out of and uh the fact that we could still call each other friends some ten years later just means that something we did something right, and in terms of uh, of being fans and, and having open opinions and listening to each other's opinion on stuff, and even though he hates, you know, Switchblade Jay White, it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't hate Switchblade And Just J's.
1: because I hate Nick Aldis doesn't make me a bad guy.
0: No, it just makes you hungry for some ham sandwiches. Ham, ham sandwich.
1: sandwich. I, I uh, <laughs> We raised $88 And These are profits Not what we raised in terms of sales But in profits, revenue The money that I made from selling those t-shirts Went to uh, The uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Fund And I was very proud To know that the Alliance blog Alliance-wrestling.com Was able to raise $88 wow. Based on Nick Aldis talking shit In a YouTube chat You know, and honestly, I don't have any ill will towards Nick Aldis. I was telling you earlier, his first run as world champion was still one of the best runs that you could have as a world's heavyweight champion. And he earned all my respect in that first run. So what if the guy only defended that title five times in the next five years after? But he he did a lot for the brand. He did a lot for the title. And that's all we'll have to say about that. We can move (laughs) on. I don't want people to think I'm a nickel eater.
0: Nah, nah, just you know, it's no different than you know it's... Every person, you know, there's we're not all perfect. We all have our flaws. Oh yeah. And you know, hey, you know, take the good with the take the good with the bad and whatnot. And again, it's just one person's opinion. And we're not we're not like the wrestling fans where I break it up where there's a casual fan, somebody that tunes in and watches the show. Yeah. Then you have your more... um, More than casual, I can't really think of... I'll say a standard fan. Somebody, you know, that watches the show and, you know, well, peek online or whatever, you know, read that. Then you have your hardcores who, you know, they're the ones that, like, okay... They're the ones that go out and buy all the merchandise. They're the ones buying all the toys. They're the ones that, you know, really, really, you know, buying tickets to the events whenever they can. You know, the ones that really follow. You know, following the wrestlers and whatnot and, and whatnot. The ones that, you know, really put a time and effort into it. And then you have the cult. The tribalism. Yeah. And this is not the court. The cult, the cornet. I'm not, that's not the pun here but you have the cult which is those people that act like they're on the dang payroll those people who act like it is their job and mission in life to spread the positive, spread the narrative of their company. Bro I'm feeling
1: you, attacked right now, I'm gonna be no, honest Do No, you no, come no, after no, me? No, 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 no. Because I, 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 mean, no. I did
0: that for 10 years at the NWA. No. See, here's the difference. <laughs> you are at least... There's times where you get like that the, because you don't have the full context of everything in front of you. You're just going off like what you hear. Sure. But I'm talking about the people that... You yourself have had criticism of the NWA. Oh, yeah. Lots of it. You're willing to admit and see that, hey, this ain't perfect. And when you see a criticism, you don't try to shrug it off like, oh, well, this company here did this. This company here did that. Uh, we're not talking about them. I'm focusing on mine.
1: Yeah. Right here. I mean, I was being facetious. But I, I totally know what you're talking about. The There's the tribalism where, like, oh, I'm an AEW fan and everything else sucks. Or, ooh, I'm a WWE fan and everything else sucks. Like, no, man. Like, none of it sucks and all of it sucks at the same time.
0: I mean, Gash, um, I keep wanting to call him Dash. Uh, Dax Hardwood from FTR, formerly The Revival. Oh, that's what that stands for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, I just got that right now. <laughs> Um. Said in 1997, I was a fan of both the NWO and the Heart Foundation. Yep. You're allowed to like more than one. Girl, same. You know, and I posted something on Twitter similar. Like, if this in the Twitterverse, which unfortunately has more bad than good, um, if this was 1997, it would be illegal for me to like both the Heart Foundation and the NWO, and there would be somebody pissed off that I didn't mention the Triple Threat or the Nation. <laughs> you you wait, know, I mean... <laughs> so you're telling me
1: that you like the Hart Foundation, but what about the Boricuas? What do you have against Puerto Ricans?
0: Yes, it would, it would have been twisted like that.
1: And, and, the, and the crazy thing is about that is, like, I mean, for all of us who are out there doing the two Sweet with Hall and Nash, we're still popping when Stone Cold came in and, and stunning Vince McMahon. I mean let it go, guys. Let people enjoy things. If you want to be an AEW fan and that's your wheelhouse, awesome, bro. Enjoy it. But don't tell me I'm wrong because I like the NWA or because I like MLW or hell, if I like the WWE. There's room for it all. It's Baskin-Robbins, baby. Every flavor's up for, uh,
0: up for options. And don't try... My other thing that I openly admit I was guilty of, until I got away from it. Please do not try to be too smart for your own good. <laughs> do not sit here and try to overanalyze everything. You're never, ever, ever, going to get the 100% perfect product. You will never get it. After but I mean, even in, even as great as ECW is remembered in in Rose and you know whatever rose they said? tinted glasses. Yeah, rose tinted glasses. As great you know as people want to remember the Attitude era. Okay. It wasn't perfect, guys. There were a lot of flubs. Yes, there was a lot of flops, a lot of flubs. We want to remember more, you know, the good more than the bad. But seriously, it's like you know, especially people these days, and this really, you know, irritates me. With the AEW t- conversation, is this one okay, next one? keep on okay. with the AEW conversation is how people are paying are to me are too wrapped up in trying to spread their narrative yep. to make their company look better. Yep. First, us let let's be honest about it. Before the Monday Night Wars wrestling fans never heard a damn thing about ratings. Ratings were never talked about. Ratings were never discussed. We didn't, you know, we weren't talking about that. Outside of those that read The Observer and heard Dave Stars. Nobody talked about ratings. But then ratings became a thing. And you know, For the fan, it was good, because it caused both companies to compete at their best. But the inner talk with the fans, with ratings and stuff like that, then, I think this happened towards TNA, because that's when smart people wanted to start tracking ratings and stuff. And the rating for TNA became the same. So then, and again, this was the time where I was on message boards and stuff. Like I said, I'm guilty. So then, that's when we start talking about viewership. How many people watch the show? Since the since ratings are an average, how many people started watching the show? Oh well, more people watched it here than, than ECW here and whatnot. It's like, you know what I mean? And then now, the narrative's changed again to now where it's about demos. Where now everybody is is in the last year and a half, two years, became a demo expert. <laughs> When the only time demos were talked about before in wrestling is in retrospect with Eric Bischoff talking about being different than the WWE, where WWE was targeting kids, he went after that adult audience. And, but now everybody's talking demos, like, oh, we won the demo. (laughs) And it's like, what? At the end of the day, what does that really, really mean to you when you're watching it on TV? Yeah. And it's gotten so overboard. I remember still, and it really, it hit an emotional part with me. This is like the smart Mark part of me that wanted to come out. It's like, Chris Jericho, did a promo, on Dynamite explaining what the demo was, explaining what a television demographic is. So he could get over his Demo God nickname since he lost the title, so he was no longer that champion. So his new name is Demo God, but he had to do a promo talking about how AEW, about the ratings, and oh, but the demo is what's more important. For this, and for this, and for this, and since, now I'm the demo guy, and I'm like, you really did a promo for that? You really had to explain that to the viewers, you know, just to get over a nickname?
1: And the thing about it, too, is like, look, those numbers are important to the financials for the WWE, and those numbers are important for AEW, but I guarantee you that I never looked at the show and thought, huh, huh. I bet the ratings are going to be up on that segment. Oh, I bet you more 18 Thank to 49 you. year olds uh, were watching this one because you know that match just slapped. No man, I, the, those those numbers are practically meaningless to the viewing audience because we're not buying advertising on Raw or Dynamite or or any of these programs. Like that's we're not we're not using those yeah. numbers.
0: That's not to for to pay us. for
1: advertising. That's that's for the network to sell ads which makes more money for wrestling. And and for people who want the WWE to go out of business, or they want AEW to go out of business, I, I mean, just look what's happening now in the industry where promotions like Ring of Honor, who in my heart did the right thing by taking care of their talent during the middle of a global pandemic are now reduced to uh, changing the whole demographic and let and releasing talent because they can't afford to stay in the way the, the state of business that they were doing and yes. when you want the other promotion to die or to go away like all it doesn't hurt the like it doesn't hurt Vince McMahon he's already made his money he's a billionaire if he sold his company tomorrow he would be twice as rich as he is right now uh, if they were to go out of business, he'd still be a billionaire. He isn't going to sink his last dime into that company. He doesn't have to. But when Ring of Honor, owned by a billion dollar corporation, decides to go out of business, like those people are losing their jobs. Forget the promotion. People are out of a job. And that also means there's less places for people to leverage higher paying gigs because there isn't any more. There are less now places for you to work. And,
0: he, yeah, it does. Wrestling businesses going out of going out of work does not help the wrestling business no. for those coming behind it. WCW went out of business when they still were the highest rated shows on the Turner Networks. Um, ECW on a smaller scale was, you know, TNN, the Nashville network was. I'm sorry, it was a shit network. Yep. That only appealed to like one demographic and. And those fans yeah.
1: weren't watching ECW. Yeah,
0: they weren't. And then they put ECW on for a year, and we all know the horror story there. But still, it was the highest rated show, and that went out of business. Nobody wanted to touch outside of WWF. Nobody wanted to touch pro wrestling for the longest time. You, nobody wanted to at USA. Don't forget, um, Raw left USA. And USA said, if we can't have the number one, because they try to put in the offer for ECW. Yep. But if we don't want the number one, we don't want it any, anywhere. We're going to go a different direction. Yep. Nobody wanted wrestling. That's why when TNA started up, they had to go you know, the pay-per-view route before they got a break on Fox Sports, which only lasted a year. And then Spike took them when WWE went back to USA. That's when Spike took yep. them. But their focus was more on, you know, UFC and whatnot. So pro wrestling still, you know, didn't have its home. And you've seen ever since then the spike relationship, they kept downgrading to basically any cable system that just needed programming. But the deals were not, you know, they were losing money per deal on TV just to stay alive. I mean, it's no big secret, we talk about Ring of Honor, if Sinclair didn't buy the company, that it would have went out of business in 2009. Yeah. If Anthem didn't, buy, um, didn't get the company, TNA would be dead. They'd be out of money.
1: And if Billy Corgan didn't buy the NWA, then the NWA would be nothing more but independent wrestling and a shitty version of the territory system.
0: And with a pandemic that occurred... I mean, very easily could have. Yeah, it would have been a wasteland.
1: Very easily could have been the end of the NWA.
0: Yeah, and thankfully Tony Khan had his connections, you know, through the Khan family and everything to get a spot on TNT. But he openly admits, like, hey, if we didn't sign those extensions at the time we did, the company would have went out of business because the pandemic, the money from those um, contracting sections went out, is what paid for AEW through the pandemic so it makes absolutely it doesn't help anybody and you see in the aftermath if you were alive during that time yes, if you were alive during that time you saw the aftermath of WCW going out of business and if you followed some of the wrestlers and whatnot, and especially ECW going out out of business some of these guys took a turn for the worst you know so it's never good never good for a wrestling company to go out of business because if you go out of business the world is harder for those behind you and i mean again ring of honor the best deal that they could get for tv it was hd net which was like what like i said third tier on your cable company before sinclair i mean ring of honor would have been out of business a decade over a decade ago
1: and well it's kind of funny because like right uh HD became Anthem because Anthem bought HD too Uh, but like you know our buddy Dave Dave's promoting wrestling for the last uh, 12 years here locally in Southern California and really longer than that but his show has been on a local market here in Los Angeles for uh, 12 years but the show has also been in syndication in different markets uh, on tough TV at various points on Gosh, uh, the Lucas Oil. uh, The Mav. Mav TV, thank you. Um, And it's been on different programs, but it's hard to get that big money deal because, again, nobody was really investing in wrestling that's not connected to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So we don't want anybody to go out of business. No, we want the exact opposite. We want to see more wrestling. And we're starting to see that. We're starting to see more companies come to the top. Uh, you know New Japan strong is uh, kind of starting to make their way in the United States they're they're doing bigger events we're seeing uh, game changer wrestling kind of open it open up itself to the world MLWs kind of doing their own thing the NWA has been producing they're talking about a second show for that brand um, aew is literally creating so much content every week it's hard to keep up. And, of course, the WWE is still just pumping out content all day, every day. So, uh, along with Impact, too, I don't want to take away from them. It's mm-hmm. really interesting to see where the wrestling world will be in a year from now. Um, what do you think, Daryl? Do you think we're going to be in a better place in one year, or do you
0: think it will be worse? Uh, Well, I think after the pandemic, we can't be any worse. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, don't tempt me. yeah, but definitely we're in a we're in a better position now as far as pro wrestling goes than i'd say than we were since on um, the monday night war era where the again wcw and ecw went out of business and the best thing about it is also we get different visions different opinions of products and whatnot you watch mlw you get a different product then you know you'll see a different product. Yeah. Then you'll see I'll say with everywhere else, um, WWE. You know their vision. You know where their product is going. AEW. You can pretty much sense the same thing. Um, with with that, and Ring of Honor. You know, especially after the pandemic, really relaunched themselves, started from scratch, found their new identity, going um, going back to basics. Yeah. With focusing on on the pro wrestling and, you know, the pure tournament really, you know, really caught my eye there. And again, then you have the National Wrestling Alliance. Um, I'll also say I won't say, you know, getting back to basics, but, you know, just the simple old school ideology of wrestling that can still work today. Yeah, for sure what and you know, I mean you got different you know like you said baskin robbins you got all your different flavors with the last thing pro wrestling needs is for these flavors to start being taken away and you're stuck with vanilla yeah and for the longest time as far as a nationally televised touring brand the the brand you know, everybody else is copy paper. WWE is Xerox. Yeah. You know, and we, we don't need that again, where right. there was only one place to make money, only one place to work, one vision that you have to go under. We do not need that again. We need our different flavors of ice cream, some more popular than others. But the option is still there. Yeah, man. It, we do not need pro wrestling to start going to lose that. It took us a long, long, long time to, I'll say, recover and get all these different options available again for everybody. Not just regionally, not something you have to go out of your way to find it if you can find it. But all of it's available, especially with the easy, the free easy ways to view it through Fight or YouTube or you know whatever at a at a low cost. It's easier than it ever has been before to find it. Yep. We do not need to go backwards. No. That's my thoughts on that.
1: Well, that's gonna wrap it up, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh... Return of the Road Wild uh, podcast with Jay, Cal, and Daryl. Um, I'm not sure when the next episode will be, but uh, of course, if you've already liked, follow, and subscribed, you'll you'll know when the next episode is. But until next time, our friends, will see you at the matches. Have a good night. Peace. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance blog podcast, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 PM Eastern, 2 PM Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.